Welcome to Sick Burns, where two Gen X friends, a corporate PR pro and a college English professor, deliver choice critique on 80s songs. I'm Margaret. And I'm Elizabeth. Let's get into it today. If you're just joining us, Margaret and I are discussing how weird other people are. Because they make other decisions than the ones that we would make. What is up? In other news, lots of people suck. My God. It's just in. And I was singing, why can't they be like we are? And Margaret asked me if that was a song. I'm just catching you up, people. And I'm only, I don't know what musical it's from, but it's why can't they be like we were perfect in every way? What's the matter with kids today? Why don't I know what? what I don't know from? because you're my musical person. Bye bye, Birdie. I don't even know. I, if you said it, I wouldn't oh, know. Okay. I I'll, only know the line. Let's consult Google. Instead it's of bye it. bye, Birdie. So you were right. What's the matter with kids today? So I believe I saw a high school production of Bye Bye Birdie when I was in high school. Does that ring a bell to you? Yes, because all the public high schools performed that. We couldn't afford it. So we did shit like we couldn't Thor- afford <laughs> Thornton Wilder's huh? skin of our teeth. You mean or- we couldn't afford the intellectual rights to Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, we couldn't afford the licensing. Do oh. you remember Sister Eileen telling, like, I was like, why can't we do cats or something? And she was like, right. we can't afford that. Those rights cost a million dollars or whatever. Did you say cats, like in a fake British accent because you're a theater nerd? Oh, I did. <laughs> and she didn't She didn't look down on me at all for that because she was also a theater kid. And totally. She the- probably, you probably learned the pronunciation from her. She's like, the queen pronounces it cats. Uh, <laughs> and so that's how we will say it. And I was kits. like, yes, yes, Sister I'm Eileen. Sh- I'm sure you'll appreciate it. <laughs> there are dogs and there are cats. <laughs> uh, but West Geauga High School did Bye Bye Birdie while we were in high school. So I think that there was the star of it was the person who legend had it was the illegitimate child of a member of the rock band three dog night huh what does there any of this ring a bell (laughs) wait one of the members of three dog nights was rumored to have fathered a child who went to west geauga high school that was the rumor in geauga county ohio in geauga county ohio three dog night toured okay i suppose that makes some (laughs) some sense and at like the geauga county fair in the seventies or what? I don't know if it was at a fair or a festival, the Agora ballroom or something sure, like sure. that. I don't know where three dog night was playing in, let's say 1971, mm-hmm. but that would have been, that was the rumor. I don't know if it was ever confirmed or denied. Wow. I never heard that rumor. That's juicy. It's so juicy. And I danced with him. I, I want to say his <gasps> first name was Justin or something. Cause you dated, I, uh, or he hung out with some people. I don't really remember who was friends with who and who dated who or anything like that. But I do remember at some formal dance, he was somebody's date and everybody was dancing with everybody. And I danced with him and I was like, am I dancing with three dog night? <laughs> Mom, Mama told me not to come. <laughs> Uh, wait, was this one of their dances or one of ours? God, I want, I think it was one of ours because I only think that I don't think I went um, to any West G dances yeah, in my yeah. memory. And probably uh, the prom after I moved away and you went with my ex boyfriend who had gone to that public high school and it was uh, like a big group situation. So he wanted to bring so. some of his friends. Yes. He wanted to bring some of yours. But it being a Catholic school, everybody had a date, had to have yes, a date. Yes, yeah. yes, except I don't think that guy who had been your boyfriend was friends with this guy. That's the only thing that I'm, so they had a whole different him. like aesthetic, like a right. whole different scene. But yeah, so I, it's just too distant of memory, I'm afraid. What was Justin's aesthetic? Like, first of all, he was the star of Bye Bye Birdie. So oh, okay, he was sure. like theater kid and he had like a floppy lock of hair in his eyes nice. and he was as 
gay as you could be and still be like very straight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, kids back in the day when uh, theater. Yeah. Cause he was like theater dude, but, and so he was, but he was into ladies for 100% sure, but he was like very much theater kid also. Yeah. Yeah. Artsy. He sounds like my type. I'm sad to not have met him. I can't believe you can't remember this. Yeah. He was real tall and thin. He looked like, oh God, I think you even could say he looked maybe like River Phoenix a little bit. I know who you're talking about now. He okay. was in the flag core there. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly who you mean. I have not thought of this person in a couple decades. Me either. Until um, you said bye-bye birdie. Yes. I know who he Yeah. And I never heard him sing. Like I always uh, want, wish I had. You should have gone to see him in bye-bye birdie. Oh, except I did hear him. Did I see him in bye-bye birdie? There, I feel like that was like a gap in my little ideas for whether or not he was the child of a member of Three Dog Night was like discerning if he had musical ability. But of course, his appearance in Bye Bye Birdie confirmed that he yeah. had musical ability. Yep. You reminded me, someone on Twitter recently posted a little scene that was from the very first episode of Doogie Hauser MD. Oh. Did you watch that when it was on? Yes, I did. Okay. I don't think I did. Or if I saw it, it was by accident. So Doogie Hauser is a teenager, correct? Uh-huh. Yep. I.e. a child below the age of consent. Yes. And in the first episode, he is seduced by a woman above the age of consent who works at the hospital and they are like making out his place of employment because at his place of employment, like yes, wonder like he's a doctor and he's just in a high school age, but he's like super smart. Yes, but they're getting hot and heavy, and she pulls no. his pants down. Oh no! And all, and then the lights come on, and all these people are watching, and they yell, "Surprise, happy birthday!" Oh no! And he's like turning sixteen or something. Yes. Oh no. And no. that's the first episode. Oh no. So kids, if you've ever heard <laughs> of Neil Patrick Harris, this was his starring <laughs> role. This is what made him famous. And he was just a kid. He was like 13 when he was in this show. That's horrifying. It's so horrifying, but it was like obviously being played to be like charming and funny and show like he's one of the Gang at the a hospital. Kid in an adult world, fish yes. out of water. Yes. What kind of With, sexual problems will he run into? It was shocking. Oh, and God. I love Neil Patrick Harris. I love his uh, lemony snicket appearance. Anyway, he's gone on. Luckily, he doesn't, he seems to be doing all right for himself. Sure. But happily married, couple shit. of kids, has a whole wing of his house that's for magic or something. Yeah, totally. But that Doogie Hauser, if he was a real person, might not have fared so well under oh such traumatic God. circumstances. That's awful. It's shocking. So that was on Twitter. You saw that on Twitter? Yeah, someone posted the clip. I think it was to demonstrate like the differences between then and now, which is our point of our little podcast it's here. The point you of know? This. Yeah. Um proud of the way that we've all evolved as humans. I mm. I feel like there's some hope for us. Mm-hmm. I think we still have a ways to go, but if we can become awakened to some of these problems that we've all been acting like, rape, like, are like no rape, big deal. Raping kids. Yeah. Like that, for example, <laughs> or I just read about. Wake uh, up people. I just read a little thing on Courtney Stoddard, who I don't know if you remember this name, but that they, she prefers the pronoun. They got married when they were 16 to an actor named David somebody or other. And he was like in his fifties and they were 16 and blonde buxom knockout blonde, all the male fantasy of what the perfect woman might be. When was this? This is starting to ring a bell. Was it like, it was 10 years ago that they, yeah. That just recently they did an interview with, I don't know which news outlet, and they were calling out Chrissy Teigen for doing some online, some cyberbullying. They had Courtney and 
the husband had a, a short-lived uh, reality show about this their, is, their I this is ringing a bell. Yes, I think I was an avid reader of celebrity gossip when this was happening. Yes. So I remember yes. this. And this is back in the day when like Perez Hilton was mm-hmm. some of those blogs, mm-hmm. gossip blogs were de rigueur and actually Perez Hilton is one of the few people who has apologized uh-huh. for kind of shitting all over this relationship. And anyway, what Courtney Stoddard was saying was like, I was definitely being abused and I wasn't okay. And instead of trying to help me, everybody just crapped all over me. Yeah. Um, Stodden. I think it's Stodden. Courtney Stodden. Did I say Stoddard? Yeah. Yeah. Stodden. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it it is interesting Mm -hmm. that we all have Mm -hmm. a different lens on this kind of stuff. That's also the point of free Britney and all the Britney Spears stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. That everyone was just like ogling while she shaved her head and her whole family drama played out, but she was in great need of help. Now, have you seen the Hulu documentary um, by Soleil Moonfry called Kid 90? No. It's very interesting. She does a nice job with this. It's essentially a documentary about her life and growing up in young Hollywood in the eighties. And this is punky Brewster, right? Yeah. Punky Brewster mm-hmm. and into the nineties. And she knows so many people who passed away and like, it certainly was a childhood that was fraught and she had her own troubles, but luckily had a, a very loving mother and a very loving supportive brother and a dad who was in her life, but perhaps not as much as she would have liked. Anyway, so she was famously among her friends, a virgin until late-ish in her, maybe she was like 20, mm-hmm. 19 or 20. So that's late-ish for some people. This woman saved everything. She videotaped everything. She saved every cassette tape, a, a voicemail that anyone left her. She has tons of footage. Mm-hmm. And she suggests in the course of this that she lost her virginity to Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. And she does not name him, but she plays some of the voicemails that she that he left her. Hmm. And she sort of recasts the narrative as a, I told myself what he was telling me, which was that it was consensual. But as I look back on it and read my journals, I can see that it was definitely not. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, it, perhaps it's just the age that I am now, or there's this idea of that it's where we are now as a society that we're able to understand these things and look back with clearer lenses and realize that these things were problems. It's a very interesting documentary to watch from her point of view. Yeah. I, you had me at Salil Moonfry, so I'll probably watch it. And she's so darling and sweet and so obviously beloved by her friends and Even all still to this day? Yeah, what Mm. seems like it. And she grew up with a lot of people who are a big deal today still. So Leonardo DiCaprio, he helped produce the documentary. And then also Brian Austin Green, who was on, who played David on 90210. Mm -hmm. And like these kids, they went to high school together because they were kid actors in Hollywood in the late 80s and early 90s. And so it's really interesting to see their friendships and the people that they hung out with and mm-hmm. what they did for fun. And mm-hmm. in some ways it's very much like our childhood and in some ways mm-hmm. really different. Cause right, I, I was do. not finding myself alone in rooms with Charlie Sheen. Thank God. Yeah. No kidding. Wasn't he rumored also to be the potential molester of Corey Haim? Yes. Yeah. Actually we talked about that in like our very first episode, but I think I didn't okay. include it. Yeah, that was Corey Feldman's big documentary. He named names and that was who Corey Haim had alleged had had molested him on the set of Lucas. Anyway, I, none of this is, it's all allegations at this mm-hmm, point, but it does mm-hmm. make you wonder with as troubled as Charlie Sheen has been mm-hmm. in his life, like who hurt him? What happened to him to create uh-huh. this kind of an individual? By all accounts, his parents seem pretty nice. Yeah. The love Martin Sheen as this, he's Jed Bartlett and 
And his brother doesn't seem to have the same issues either. But I suppose growing up in Hollywood, who knows what kind of predators are around. And sure. Anyway, while this took Hmm. a dark turn from Bye Bye Birdie. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to hear what song, but you reminded me of what, just because that's the theme of our conversations as documentaries that we've seen, I think. And I wondered if you had seen the Q HBO documentary yet. No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. I haven't even ever heard of it. Yeah, gosh. Well, go ahead and watch it. It reveals who Q is, which I kind of already knew because it's not like it's some kind of secret, but it also gives the whole history and it's just like the owner moderator of what ended up being called 8Kun, I believe. Like it went through variations, Mm -hmm. 2chan, 4chan, 8chan, and then ultimately I believe 8Kun. And it gives, so somehow this journalist had access to these dudes. It's a man and his son, his adult son. And for some reason, this journalist had access to them over the course of a few years. I don't know what the journalist ostensibly was covering from the beginning because it was, I believe they were filming before Q even emerged actually. But God, you know, like it's such an interesting phenomenon. And I think maybe in some later episode, and I think in past episodes, we will maybe talk about various kind of moral panics in the 80s because the QAnon conspiracy definitely has a lot in common with some of those past moral panics. Mm -hmm. But also, I felt like it was such a demonstration of not the kind of plotted conspiracy that people like to think exists, including, of course, QAnon people themselves, but also people who are like against QAnon think it's somebody like deliberately managing things. But really, it's just this like loser with the sex addiction problem who has this unprecedented media power and access to like many eyeballs that are susceptible to not even half-truths, but lies. And he gets off on his own power. And it doesn't even matter like what the content is to him. It's not like he's invested in some like particular set of politics or anything like that. He just gets off on toying with people. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's just so, you know, just like, like dropping crap out there to see what people will believe. Yeah, it's just such a like evidence of like human garbage, like the garbage (laughs) that humanity is capable of. And it's not garbage because it's like intended or direct or any, it's just garbage because it's just like rolling downhill to the like base, lowest, basest common denominator of human nature. And that you don't even have to five episodes or something. Does you stand for something? They go into some of that and I can't remember. Okay. Okay. I can't remember how it ended up getting its name, but but they go into the whole, not only media history of all the different boards and like how this is like physically and technologically possible and try for anything. It's really gross, but it's worth seeing. It's very well done. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to feel gross, watch this documentary and it's what it's called. What? I want to say it's called Q into the storm. It's on HBO and I think there's like five episodes or something. Does you stand for something? Uh, They go into some of that and I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember how, how it ended up getting its name, but, but they go into the whole, like not only media history of all the different boards and like how this is like physically and technologically possible and like what was behind all that, but also like cultural issues like Gamergate and like tea party stuff, like all this, you know, they, they have a long lens for like what gave it all momentum. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I bet they would be talking about in that group is this news story about Elon Musk's company putting a chip into a monkey's brain. Have you seen that? I don't think so, but this is different. This is different than his math equation, baby. Yeah, it's different. It's an actual (laughs) company he started. And they took, actually, I shouldn't, I don't know. I know there are like purists out there who would say, it wasn't a monkey, it was an ape. I I don't remember what kind of primate it was. Tail versus not tail. 
Oh, I never heard that easy. Rem- That's a yeah. reminder mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Mm. You'll never make a monkey out of me. That's the Dr. Zayas Planet of the Apes musical from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big closing number. That right there is the influence of Dana Gould. I can just, mm. I think it had a, I think it had a tail. So I think it was a monkey. But they implanted a chip into this monkey's brain and then taught it how to play Pong, a video game. And then they figured out how to decode the signals happening in its brain to make the monkey be able to play Pong just with its mind. They took the joystick away. And then the monkey's like watching the ball going back and forth. And it's like thinking about the paddle going up to meet the ball. And then whenever he does it right, they deliver a little like banana smoothie through a metal banana, banana, banana. And so that's how it gets rewarded. The idea was like, someday we'll be able to put these chips into the brains of paraplegics so that they will be able to live better lives or whatever. But I'll tell you, if you go and find this video, kind of terrifying. and. I will also say that I've been a little bit into Russell Brand lately. I follow him on some social media. Do you know who Russell Brand is? Do I? Yeah. We'll just pin that for a second. Okay. (laughs) I watched him deliver a video in, in reaction to watching this video. And his he had a very good point, which is, but do we know that it's all for good? Are you, did you go down this path of figuring all of this out with a tremendous investment with the intent of helping people who Mm -hmm. are paralyzed Mm -hmm. or is it something a little bit more Mm self-serving or or Mm -hmm. dark and, and it is, it's fascinating to watch, but also deeply chilling. Mm -hmm. I'd be hard pressed to find a person who wasn't somehow chilled by watching it. What you're watching is the monkey. Play playing this video game with, with his mind, mind. uh huh, and then deliver getting and little sips eating of his banana smoothie, banana smoothie, <laughs> as Russell Brand said <laughs> through through this stainless steel straw because you don't want to use a real you know plastic straw and hurt a turtle or whatever. So uh-huh, um, we're, you're uh-huh. definitely looking out for the earth by using a, a metal straw with your brain you manipulation. Manipulate of this monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, priorities. That's right. Anyway, some amount of time after I watched this video, I heard the song Mr. Roboto by Styx. Oh, yeah. Oh, are we going to talk about that today? And there's the segue for today's song. Let's listen a little bit to part of the song. I don't know when the last time you you heard this song was. If you obviously you, probably, you just listened to it now, but had you heard it in a while? Do you have any memories of when it came out in nineteen eighty three? No, I have two anecdotes related to the song, but both are from contemporary times. Oh, got it. I remember being so into this song in 1983. Whoa. Was, what, Were like you 11? into robots or Japan or what? Sticks? All of the above. What was it? Yeah. All what of other the songs did Sticks have? Can you just Oh, my it? God. Let me just rattle some off. Yeah. Okay. Babe, which is one of my top 10 favorite songs. And let's see. Don't Let It End and Renegade and... Oh God, this is like an episode of Billy on the Street. Name five songs by Sticks. Is that enough for you or do I need I to guess. name more? I the I best of times. The headlines read these are the worst of times. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yep. But the other ones, I don't have an association. I think I would need you to sing from beginning to end each and every no, one of you, them. No, you wouldn't. I don't think Babe, I would. I'm leaving. Oh yeah, I remember Must that. Must be on my way. How about? Come That's a roller away, skating song. Come oh, away. yeah. 
I mean, sticks. Oh, sticks. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yes. You know, the band named after the river in hell. Now I'm with you. (laughs) And Mr. Roboto, which is one of their biggest hits. That song, which went to number three in America, number one in Canada in 1983, Uh was on their 11th album. Wow. (laughs) I'm like, okay. I would have never guessed that they had that many albums. That's where I entered the picture, I think, with Sticks was Mr. Roboto. Like so. little did you know that they were, oh, had they had hits before that? Oh. Yeah, yeah. They were a big like prog rock band in the in the 70s. That came oh, like Chicago. Yes and stuff like that? Yes, very much in the same camp as, uh-huh. as your Yes kind of bands. And fun fact, because we always have to have some connection with me and a famous person. Yeah. My my sister's mother-in-law went to high school with Dennis DeYoung, who is the, the lead singer of Sticks. And who that is Mr. super fun. It that is, is right? very fun. Can I tell you my fun fact? Yeah, tell um, me your Mr. Roboto song. It's the, I guess I said contemporary times, but it's more like the 90s. I lived in Chicago for a very short period of time and I waited tables at a couple of different places. And that's though that experience constitutes like the most celebrity, all of my celebrity experience. Cause I saw a lot of them during that yes. time period. And at one restaurant, Dennis DeYoung, what I want to say he was a regular. I for sure mm. remember the one time he was in, but I think he came like pretty regularly and he was a good tipper. And what, can you say to Dennis DeYoung when he does something nice for you? Thank but you. That's in what language would you say that? You would say, Doma Arigato, <laughs> Mr. Roboto. Did you say that to him? No, but oh. I think we dared each other too. I don't know if like my friends, did, you know, or like go up and be like, Donka Shin, you know, <laughs> like say thank you in like every oh other language. God. I would have tipped you if you had said Doma Arigato with Mr. Roboto to Dennis I think DeYoung. the consensus was that maybe he didn't want to hear it. Why not? Do you think he hears it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sure it's like one of those things that you see a famous person and you want to shout out the like catchphrase or whatever, but you're probably like, I know you probably hear this a lot, but I just have to say it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. It's like your big yes. I just heard it 13 times walking here. Exactly. That's the price of fame, Dennis. So get over yourself. We never tested it. And maybe he would, as in my memory, and maybe he would have been happy to indulge, but I think we just couldn't get up the guts. Yeah. And yet I will tell you this, he got kicked out of the band sticks. So maybe he is Hmm. a snickety fellow. And maybe we would have hurt his feelings then by saying it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, you're so thoughtful. Doma Arigato became like, a popular catchphrase when this song came out. Apparently yeah. it wasn't before. Apparently no one in America knew how to say thank you very much in Japanese. But as we've talked about before, the 80s, there was this USA versus Japan kind of thing happening because of larger socio-political things going on and automobile manufacturing it probably had a lot to do with it. But if you listen to this song, it is the weirdest. You're like, what the heck is this about? Other uh-huh. than I definitely take that you are not liking the fact that everything's being taken over by robots. Uh-huh. Picking up on that loud and clear. <laughs> that's definitely coming through. And so that's what made me think of the the primate with the brain chip. Uh-huh. Um, but would it make more sense to you, this song, if I told you it was from a rock opera? This is really just like the um, One Night in Bangkok was like a musical. Which I did not know when I picked this song. Wow. But apparently that's what I'm drawn to. You are our musical maven. Mm. Yeah. So that's why it's so weird. Why did you like it so much when you were a kid? Where did you have? uh, Well, Uh, first of all, did you pick it because we are in the midst of Asian American Pacific Islander History Awareness Month and Heritage Month? I did not pick it for that reason. I picked it for this whole banana smoothie through the metal straw tie in. I see. Also, because and this theme of the robots are taking over and how far will it go until it's we are 
the idea of planet of the apes, I right? See. Like until humanity is lost and something else takes over. And um, were you into that as a 10 year old girl no, in suburban Cleveland, Ohio? No, I oh. will tell you what I liked about it. I liked the mystery of it. Uh huh. And it's very. The mystery, what, the mystery like, I don't even know what the song is about. Of who Mr. Roboto is. Got it. Uh-huh. Because remember, at the end of the song, there is uh-huh. a big reveal, which is I'm Kilroy. Kill oh, Roy. yeah. Kilroy. Oh, and you're yeah. like waiting and waiting. It's like the song is saying, You're wondering who I am. Secret, yes. Secret. I've got a secret. And it's building and building. And you're like, who are you? What's the answer to the secret? Reveal yeah. it to me. Yeah. And then at the end, it's I'm Kilroy, and you're like, oh, oh, who's Kilroy? Wait, who's Kilroy? <laughs> <laughs> and oh, wait, very puzzling. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so that to your puzzle-seeking ten-year-old mind, that yes. was very compelling. I could see that. Yes. But you're also making me remember that. The word Kilroy featuring in a lot of graffiti well, of yes, that era. Elizabeth, yes. WTF. Well, I will tell you because I have found the answers to your questions that you didn't okay. even know you had. Yeah. That the song is on based on this rock opera and the rock opera was called Kilroy Was Here. Huh? And the song is performed by Kilroy, which is uh, Dennis uh, DeYoung, uh, plays uh-huh. him in the show. Uh-huh. And he's I'm I will tell you who Kilroy really is and the graffiti thing in a minute. Let me tell okay. you about the plot. Yeah. He's a rock and roll performer who's placed in a futuristic prison for rock and roll misfits by the anti rock and roll group that was called the Majority for Musical Morality. Whoa. Yes. And the guy who ran the MMM was played by the guitarist from Sticks, James Young. And at the very end, when Tommy Shaw, who's the guitarist for Sticks, meets Kilroy at the end, Mm -hmm. Kilroy unmasks and yells, I'm Kilroy. So that's like the reveal in the the rock opera. Right. Yeah. But when you take a song out of a musical and make it a single it like makes no sense. <laughs> totally. Like so, you found with One Night in Bangkok. Completely. You're like, what the hell is this about? I feel like oh, I'm missing something. Boy. And the answer is you are missing something. A lot. A lot. You have to, and that's how they get you. It's like mm-hmm. heroin marketing. So now you have to go see the whole show. Mm-hmm. Even though the show is a rock opera by sticks. Mm, right. Um, so, <laughs> or because of the show is a rock opera by sticks. Sure. So, so Kilroy is, and now actually I shouldn't say that I'm going to tell you the answer because I don't really know why Dennis DeYoung picked Kilroy. But the name you mean? Yes. The word? Kilroy uh-huh. is like a famous, well, this is interesting. It's a meme. So I know my kids love to argue with me and tell me that memes came about with the internet, but actually mm. they've been around for a, a long time. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a cultural shorthand, right? So right. it this meme became popular in World War II as graffiti, and nobody really knows where it comes from. Oh, with a little nose. Yes. This and was then, a predecessor to the Parents Music Resource Council. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes, okay. Exactly. Uh-huh. And it's all swimming around there in the early 80s. Yes. And the Roboto is a model of a robot that does menial jobs in prison. And so Kilroy escapes by overpowering like a robot prison guard. Uh huh. Hides in like the sh- the old like I'm gonna knock out the gu- the guard and then put his outfit on and escape. Like in the Wizard of Oz. Yes, exactly. But it's a it's a graffiti tag with a little cartoon and, uh-huh. and it says Kilroy was here underneath it and it's a a little guy's face and he's sort of hanging over a wall and his little. Uh-huh. Fingers uh-huh. and his nose are hanging over the wall, and usually he's got like a couple pieces of little. Yes, hair. I remember this. And it's out, uh-huh. and it says, um, and it says Kilroy was here. But you, no one knows the origins of that. No, they don't really know. People have done investigations to figure out like why. Yeah, come from. There and was no like military leader, or it could be traced back to some stuff in World War One. 
And there was a similar version in the UK that was called Chad. And maybe that came from like a British cartoonist, but then Kilroy was in the US. Kilroy was American GIs overseas who would like write it on barracks or places that they were in. Anyway, so who knows why they called it that, but that Kilroy is here is like a very famous cartoon that people or graffiti that people will often like tag on whatever, wherever graffiti goes. Yeah. And so that, so the idea is the Dennis DeYoung, that was like the source for that name for him. Yeah. I guess he just wanted to pick some, yeah, Yeah. just some name, Mm -hmm. uh, some generic name. But when you dig into what the musical or what the song is about, so it's definitely about the dehumanization of workers, because he even says in the it's in the lyrics, machines to save our lives, machines to dehumanize. And so it's this like middle class commentary, like they're making our lives easier, but they're also taking over our jobs. Yeah. And there's even the line in the song that says with parts made in Japan. And Mm -hmm. my brain, my brain is IBM. So Mm-hmm. You know, this is like the dawn of personal computers and the factories were all being made more efficient by the use mm-hmm. of robots and certainly mm-hmm. in automobile manufacturing. But mm-hmm. also there's a lot in here about censorship. So then speaking of Tipper Gore and the, what was it called? The Parents? PMRC, Parents Music Resource Council, I believe. Thank you. Thank you. So there's also some commentary that the album is really about censorship because of this whole idea of backmasking. Have you ever heard of backmasking? No. We both know what it is, but I don't think we, I never heard that term before. It's that idea where you take a vinyl record and you run it backwards to hear secret oh, messages. Oh yeah, where all the like rock and roll. Uh, yes. What are they? Rumors or conspiracy, like Satan yes. Speaking messages of right. and so on. Yeah, uh-huh. that if you play some of these rock and roll albums backwards, they have secret messages. Yes. And so there was that thing that they said if you take the Beatles album Abbey Road and you play it backwards, it says Paul is dead. And there was also they said that about Pink Floyd and ELO and Queen and Sticks. And uh-huh. so there was this fundamentalist Christian group and like other anti-rock activists who actually right before this album was written, influenced the Arkansas State Senate to pass a bill requiring that records with backward masking be labeled by the manufacturer. Oh my God. Yeah. And were any, did any actually do it? I will tell you that the fifth song on the the album, Kilroy Was Here, that features Mr. Roboto, is called Heavy Metal Poisoning. And was written by Tommy Shaw. And it begins with an intentionally back masked, uh-huh. but it's really so nerdy. It's in yeah. Latin uh-huh. and it's Inuit. I'm, I don't know Latin. Inuit Keptis Novus Ordo Seculorum, uh-huh. which is Latin for he has favored our undertakings, a new order of the ages. Uh-huh. And if that sounds familiar. It's because they're the two mottos on the Great Seal of the U.S. on the reverse of the United States one dollar bill. That was like a zinger, I would say. <laughs> Total zinger. <laughs> and then they stuck a label on the album yeah. that said, "By order of the majority for musical morality, this album contains secret backward messages." But that the majority for musical morality was from the opera. Was from the operas. The made up. But there was a real law in real life. Yes. So it was just a big middle finger because they had been cited in the legislation by Hmm. this, the Arkansas State Senate. And actually, ELO also had an album in 1983 called Secret Messages, and they also mentioned it there. So, you know, and then the whole plot is just this, like a fascist future like a fascist and theocratic government mm-hmm. and they outlaw rock music. So it's just sticks getting one over on everybody else in the most theatrical, ridiculous rock and roll kind of way. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I usually hate this phrase, but I have to say they were asking for it, that Arkansas state legislature. They did this album as an, as a response to that. That's what I mean. Like they were asking to be made fun of the Arkansas state in a way. Oh yes. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Gosh, they, they haven't been so great lately either. That good old Arkansas state legislature. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. They have a flawless record. WTF. (laughs) But wait, isn't that the state that had the Senator who was the sister of the director of Madonna's material girl album? Wasn't she a Senator from Arkansas? Oh my gosh, that sounds really familiar. It's been a while since we did that episode. I can't remember what her name was, but her sister uh, was a senator, and I think she was from Arkansas. There are some good people down there. And Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, the most morally corrupt. (laughs) I thought I was worried you were going to say upright. Sure, sure. Yeah. Anyway, it's ridiculous, really. When and if you watch the video which I encourage you to do. It's pretty silly. And I love going to the eighties and looking for signs of what they thought the future was going to look like. Um, for sure. Uh, one fun fact that I will tell you is that the video or the film really, because they would, they would play this film in their concerts as like, a t- you know how sometimes big concerts will have like a little video that plays at the beginning to keep your interest while people are coming in. I guess for the time for 1983, it had some production quality, but the, the, they all, the robots have these kind of like daft punk sort of helmets on Mm -hmm. and the helmets were made by Stan Winston. Who's like a big time Hollywood makeup artist and costume designer. Okay. He, like he did Terminator two and avatar. So he's pretty well known and the choreography. And I love this because it's a tie to a theme in this podcast the choreography for the robots was done by Kenny Ortega, who did the Allentown video for Billy Joel, Whoa. but also Dirty Dancing and the High School Musical movies, which is how I know him. Yeah. The funniest thing about that is if you watch the choreography, it's just the ro- the people dressed as robots <laughs> are just doing the robot. And you're like, how much did they pay him to someone choreograph had, this? Someone had to tell them to do that. Because <laughs> it's not so inspired, all right? <laughs> Unless I'm looking at the beginning of that dance, maybe uh-huh. he made it up. It's Wait, everyone is so silly. like, I feel like we cover a lot of songs whose videos or the songs themselves are like fear of like homogenization and fear of like automation and stuff. Wasn't the she bop, wasn't that like part of the video was it was all this like robots having sex, but until you like learn to masturbate with she bop. <laughs> So yeah, it was there was like people like marching into the yes, meat grinder right. or something, yes. basically, uh-huh. just like yeah. dead eyed and in single file, which is so funny because we have become anything but homogenous. I had occasion recently to read an undergraduate student paper about the famous commercial for Apple computers from 1984, mm-hmm. the Big Brother commercial. Yeah, and that is just so telling that commercial. Well, because that also like evinces the fear of automation and because it's like encouraging people to like break free and be creative, which is what, how Apple products are still advertised. Sure. And because you're right, like we're anything but homogenous. There's so many like niche upon niche and everyone's dug into their little hidey hole somewhere. And that's thanks to Apple products in a way. So like where you may be listening to this very podcast. Exactly. So thank you for enabling our creativity. Yeah. They, Apple really developed and encouraged this idea of like individualism and creativity, but you have to use Apple products to do it. So it's like weirdly. (laughs) (laughs) That's ironic. Yeah, exactly. But I remember as a teenager, in my little rebellious heart feeling like, God, everything's the same. We Everyone watches the same TV shows and goes shops at the same stores and eats at the same restaurants, you know, and how, what a big problem that seemed to me at the time. But now it seems like a bigger problem that nobody reads the same newspaper and has the similar experiences and how interesting that is because everyone's like lamenting Right. No, like public place where people are interacting anymore. 
but everyone was lamenting like too public of a place because everything was getting too same, same. So I don't know, man, can't what, you know, can't win for losing. You, you sure got your dream though. Didn't you? We went from five channels to totally there's not even a people would say like, now we got a hundred. No, it's endless. Look at YouTube. Right. I work with millennials who don't even watch TV at all. They only watch YouTube. And you don't mean YouTube TV, obviously. Right. I just mean YouTube. So like privately made things that like- User generated content. People put up. Yeah. Yes. Not studio generated content. Like makeup tutorials or sure. seafood eating or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Mukbang and makeup. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What do they watch on it? Because yeah, they that what? stuff, you know, style tutorials, uh-huh. decorating tutorials, um, mm-hmm. probably mukbang, which for those of you who are listening is like an offshoot of ASMR, but with slurpy food eating sounds. Sure. I don't care for it myself, but some people get like little shivers from it. They have like Uh a nervous system reaction and they really love watching people lick their fingers that are coated in butter after eating lots of crab legs. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's the kind of stuff they watch. You can find anything. Anything. Yeah. You can find anything. The internet is vast. Yeah. So we are not homogenous. I'll tell you what I like to watch scripted shows starring people who are about 50 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So like Cagney and Lacey or (laughs) no more like um, Ozark or I'm talking about contemporary shows, you know, it's Creek. Yeah. People I recognize from my youth. What was that show? Oh, yeah. I think it was called Divorce that starred Thomas Hayden Church and Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, you watched that? I did. I watched some of it. I can't remember if I finished it or not, but I was like my sad, pathetic little Gen X brain was like, this is life with Thomas Hayden Church and Sarah Jessica Parker on my television screen. That is the natural state of existence because and, they have grown with you yes because like my whole life they've been on my television screen in some way or another in different phases and jason bateman yes so exactly from jason bateman from little house on the prairie yeah through arrested Silver development Spoons and then arrested totally development. Yeah. through ozark yes that is like the net my natural state of existence it also is a little like um when my son was like interested in punk music for, or just different kinds of music. And we're playing different like Ramones and sex pistols and different kinds of music that I guess you would consider punk, like through the decades. And then we played Nirvana and I was like, see, now this (laughs) is music. This is what music with a capital M sounds like. And I don't even, I was never even like a huge Nirvana fan to be, I mean, I always like kind of was in the way that everyone was of my kind. Pick right now, Pearl Jam or Nirvana, which side do you land? Is this like a Beatles versus Rolling Stones test? Yeah. I would have to say Nirvana, but I also think that maybe I underappreciated Pearl Jam. Like it's not because I'm not anti Pearl Jam. Okay. All right. But I, yeah. Did did your offspring appreciate them to an extent that pleased you or was Uh, he unimpressed? His Nirvana experience is via weird Al Yankovic's Mm. smell smells like Nirvana. Yeah. Which as we've covered uh, one of best video award and was nominated the same year as smells like teen spirit. Is it because he liked the punk rock cheerleaders? My son? Yeah. No, it's because he likes Weird Al Yankovic and okay. every and 100% of things that Weird Al Yankovic does. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Speak highly of him. But my point is only there's a certain point where TV or music or whatever hits you and then you're like, that's permanently installed is what I think music or TV is or whatever. Yep. Anyway, and the, the millennials, I don't know. I guess they'll all have a different thing for that. Yeah. And, and who cares what they think anymore? Because now we care about Gen Z. There's our kids. Got it. Skinny right. jeans are out. 
They are chuggy and you don't want to wear them. I just learned about chuggy and I am not wearing. <gasps> you have chinos on? Not only are they chinos, but they're like the balloon shape. If I could stand up and back up, it would look like they were going out and then in. Oh, speaking of in, so were you? That's chuggy because that's trying too hard right now, uh, though, um, isn't it? I don't know, but have you had them for 20 years? Then it's not chuggy. No. It's vintage or whatever. I bought them because they were in fashion. Okay. All right. (laughs) Chuggy. Hashtag girl boss. (laughs) (laughs) The verdict on your pants is that they're cute. (laughs) That's my opinion. Uh Uh Uh, Do you have a verdict on this song? God. First of all, hashtag stop Asian hate. Yes. That's one verdict. How about the little yeah. we've yeah, that's a, such a theme that we've noticed in the 80s that I would not have thought about until we started talking about 80 songs. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot happening in this song. People had big problems with Japan in the 80s. They really and it did. came out in a lot of ways. It sure did. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it doesn't hold up, but not for political reason, you know, not for the same reasons that other songs don't hold up. Sure. I don't think people care anymore about automation and wrote. Some people do in Buffalo. People still care about robots taking jobs. Yeah. But it just doesn't, I feel like it doesn't have legs. I'm with you on that. I mm-hmm. think that from 1983 till now, my look, I I really love Dennis DeYoung because he sings with a big vibrato, and I like that in a singer. He's very mm-hmm. theatrical, mm-hmm. but this song is cheesy as hell. Yeah, and what I once found so mysterious and exciting of finding out who Kilroy was <laughs> is not that interesting as it turns out. <laughs> Or as I read a a New York Times review of it from 1983, and it says, this is such a burn. Mr. Roboto offers glib paradoxes about technology in a hackneyed techno-pop style that borrows science fiction sound effects from the Alan Parsons project. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If you're accusing someone of knocking off, of ripping off Alan Parsons project. Yeah, that's that, not good. That's wheel in the sky keeps turning. No, is that the Alan Parsons? Oh, no. wait! Don't tell I, me! Don't tell me! Eye in the sky. Yes, I am the eye in the sky. Do, 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 do. That one. Read your mind. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, fun fact: that's my number one favorite song. No kidding. Yeah, I love that song. I love it. I never tire of it. It's a good song. That is a good, it's also very Margaret. I will say it's very (laughs) Margaret because it's so melodic and it's like a sleeper hit. You like always hear it and everyone knows it. But then when you really listen to it, you're like, that's a good song. Yeah. Like me. Well, I wouldn't say it's like you as a person, because I don't think you're like a a a sleeper hit. Oh, thanks. No. I think you're like a bull right off the bat, but I think in that, you know, you like substance, you're into, you're into substance, not flash. And mm-hmm. I think that, that song has substance. Yeah, it really does. Thank you for recognizing it's genius. Yeah. But I don't know that it's good to be compared to a ripoff version of it. Anyway, I hear it's you. A cheesy song. It's um, cheesy. Although I admire, I have to say, I admire Dennis DeYoung's cheek. In making it? Yeah. Look, anybody who has the creative ambition to write a rock opera, my hat is off to you. I like rock operas. If you're going to pick something that's tied to technology, which by its very nature advances every day, every moment, of course it's going to be considered dated. dated Instantaneously. Instantaneously. Absolutely. I think they were trying to say something about something larger about blue collar workers and censorship. 
and all of these like very lofty themes that now when you look back at like, you know, everybody describes Bruce Springsteen as being very earnest. That's mm-hmm. his calling card is to sing earnestly about the same kind of themes. That age is better because you don't wrap it all in this layer of technology that's right off instantaneously going to be dated. So yeah. Can I just, I have to just throw in this little thing I've read about, which is called the end of history phenomenon, where people like just are pretty sure that however they are like now is how is like their ultimate self has emerged. And now they're going to be like this for the rest of their lives. Oh, and they tested it. And I wish I could read I re- remember reading an article about some study about this, the, where they used people talking about like their favorite music or bands or something and like how much they have. I can't remember how the test went. They were trying to see how people perceived themselves as changing over time and in their moment. And so they devised some series of questions that had to do with like how much they would pay for an album or a concert ticket or something like that in different decades of their lives. And 100% of the people it came out said that they had changed a lot in the last 10 years and would not be changing anymore. (laughs) And they said it, whether they were 25 or 75, like all age, all decades of age said that, remarked on how much they had changed. And so (laughs) I love that so much because humans, when they're not being so terrible, are so hilarious and ridiculous that everyone's so sure. And yet we're so predictable. Totally. And I just love that Dennis DeYoung was like, this is the word on technology and rock and roll. And this is a work of art that shall pronounce on it forevermore, you know, and like, can't get much cutting edge than 1983. Can you? Exactly. And time has stopped done and dusted like statement made. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sad for him that he took that gamble and lost in a way. And Bruce Springsteen gambled on wearing blue jeans and, driving your car fast, you know, and (laughs) that seems to have lasted a little longer. Uh Anyway, I just love that. And this is such a good example of that. Oh, people are never not going to want to hear about robots. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to some extent, that's true because we haven't totally figured them out yet. Like there has no rise of the machines has not come to pass exactly yet that we know of. I mean, we could all be living in a matrix right now. And I suppose maybe then the joke's on me for being so predictably human. But but it is, and just the visuals of the whole thing are so clunky, chunky. Right. So 80s yeah. robot style that it's yeah. just, oh God, yeah. come on. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing to that end. It's like, when Paul McCartney wrote when I'm 64 and people would ask him, uh-huh. what, do think, what do you think? Will you perform this when you're 64? And he's like, Oh God, no, totally. No, because to your point, they all think this is it. This is where it stops. Totally. Oh, we're so dumb. So do you have some songs mixtape? you would put on a mixtape with it? Yeah. So, you know, I think I'd put on Alan Parsons project to see if there's any crossover there. And I think I'd have to, put on the song from one of the last episodes we did, which was One Night in Bangkok, because it's mm-hmm. ripped from a, I, I think I would use the theme of rock operas. Oh, nice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some mm-hmm. Tommy or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good ones. Yeah. How about you? Well, I was trying to think of other songs that like talked about, ro- saying about robots or invoked robots in some way. Invoked robots. Or- <laughs> like, for example, what? I couldn't come up with that many. I feel like this is not about robots, but I feel like safety dance in some way is like uh, a little bit robotic. Uh-huh. Because I don't know why I think I, that. It's a a a a. Yeah. And the electronic. Yes, totally. Yes. And then also I thought some Devo songs, maybe. I don't know. Good call. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's a really good call. 
Safety Dance came out in 1982, so it was just around the same time as this. That would be like the era, I guess. Yeah. I feel like this is the only song that it does not make sense to pair with She Works Hard for Her Money. I don't see any possible connection, except that they're like spiritual opposites. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Although, have you ever seen the movie by Steven Spielberg called AI? I think I saw artificial actually. Yeah. Yeah. So Jude Law plays a pleasure robot, a gigolo robot. Oh, yeah. And so maybe in the future, Donna Summer is. Oh, in that we're talking about sex work. Yeah. 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 If that's that's your read on that song. No, it's just about a working woman. Then why couldn't a robot sing it? Yeah. Yeah. I, you're right. It's, it has nothing to do with it. Yeah. I might include, so one of the reasons that QAnon documentaries we're seeing is their use of White Rabbit in the last episode, the song, oh. you know, Feed Your Head, et cetera. Yes. I feel like that could be a potential oh, addition yes. to this. It's kind of mysterious, playlist. like this song, mm-hmm. like there's like, it's got some sort of a secret message that it's trying to tell you but you mm-hmm. aren't sure what it is yeah. until they yell it at you at the end and say, I'm Kilroy. Yes. Which she's saying, feed your head at the end. I have one more suggestion, which is Jefferson Starship. Cause I just said Jefferson airplane. Mm-hmm. What did they have besides we built this city? They had another song. They had the theme from mannequin mannequins being close to robots in a certain kind of way well man- mannequin is a lyric in mr roboto i w- almost though what and i'm not just saying this as, as a way out but i almost want to say we built this city it's nothing's gonna stop us now oh yeah no that's when they were, they were just starship at that point but jefferson starship was like jane and but Marconi played the Mamba. Listen to the radio. I feel like that's about like technology in this like dumbass way too. We built so, this city. Yeah, which, as you may recall, was voted the dumbest song by that bl- that famous Blender magazine list. Of oh yeah, terrible songs. It's the number one terrible song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. Like- but I'm not averse to it. It's got its charms, so we can put it on the mixtape. Mm-hmm. This is a real mishmash, this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts about this one? I would just say we just finished watching Lost in Space. Once again, I have a grade school age son, and this is appropriate to my life. And there are some robots in that that are your friends. And there are some robots in it that are enemies. Uh And I would just say, be careful out there, people. (laughs) You never know who is who or which is which you can't sometimes you can't tell the difference that's right you gotta look on the back of the head to see if there's a little plug there Uh uh-huh sage advice elizabeth thank you oh yeah that was that was the theme of battlestar galactica wasn't it like being able to tell the difference between the robots and the people it was i don't remember all i remember from that is that there was a r2d2 ripoff in it named twinkie no, that was the original. I'm talking about the reboot with Edward James oh. Olmos, and oh. which was quite good. It was in the early 2000s. It was very good. And really? I, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, extremely good. Edward James Olmos was amazing in it. And you'd rec- I can't, the names are not coming to mind, but you'd recognize some of the people in it. But it, I cried in some episode, like it was very moving and very well done. And oh, it's a TV was, show. TV show. Yep. And there was, because it was in around like immediately post 9-11 and it had, so it had to do with who's on your side, like who's the, who's with you and who's against you and like tests for people like who, and I think it was some kind of like robot that was feared or something. And they look just like us, but they might not be us. And there was like themes of like racial profile. Like it was very, it was very of its time, but also, I would believe it if it um, lives up to it. I, I recommend it. Okay, I will check it out. And when you yeah. say you are watching Lost in Space, do you mean the remake movie with yes. Matt LeBlanc? No, a re- reboot television show. Oh, I'm unaware with, of this. Oh, yes, with 
the woman who's not Carrie Coons, who was also on Deadwood. But Carrie Coons was who was on The Leftovers, the greatest television show of all time. And now I'm not going to think because I always have to, there's three people that look like Carrie Coons and they're all really good actors in their own. Molly Parker. Okay. And Parker Posey. Parker Posey is in the new Lost in Space and she is very well cast. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to check this out. Where can I find this? uh, Netflix. Okay. I'm going to, it's not ever suggested to me. The Netflix algorithm is failing me, but you have come through. Thank you. Yeah. If you're interested in Lost in Space, I'm not, I wouldn't naturally be if it wasn't for my son, but it is worth it to see Parker Posey. Okay. Good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Love her and everything she does. Mm-hmm. Unless she's done anything terrible, in which case I can't condone that. I don't know about her <laughs> at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to the old Doogie Hauser syndrome. Well, this was fun. Nice talking to you again. So fun. So we've been, good to talk we've been to a you. little off our game, but I'm looking forward to get back in the swing of it here. Absolutely. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Well, we did it. We burned another song and we hope you enjoyed it and danced around the fire. If you want to suggest a song or join our conversation, find us on Instagram. We are at SickBurnsPod, on Twitter at at Sick80s, or on Facebook as SickBurns. And we'd love to get an email from you. Send it to us at burningthe80s at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet gotten the message that we're desperate to interact with you, but in a totally cool and standoffish way, maybe this will do it. We also have a website and you should definitely use it. Visit sickburnspodcast.com to leave a comment or a voicemail. Ciao for now.